Good morning. My name is Jake. I'm one of your pastors, and today we're going to continue our sermon series on Word and Spirit and focusing in uh, this morning on the Word. You guys ready to open up the Word of God today? All right, let's do it. So before we even jump into it, I wanted to tell you something I learned this week. There's a big difference between Thursday's lunch and Thursday's dinner for me. Big difference. So Thursday's lunch this week, right, is starts off in the morning for preparation where I grab a bunch of random vegetables and things in the refrigerator and I throw them into a a lunchbox and then I just head off to work. And when I get to work Thursday lunch, I quickly walk over to the little kitchen. I take out some salad greens from Trader Joe's, a few random vegetables, throw it onto a bowl, and then I crack open a can of tuna. So don't look at me weird. I know people got different opinions on tuna. Um, So I pop the tuna on top of my salad, and then I pick up my bowl of my thrown-together salad, and I walk back to my office uh, to continue to do emails uh, and maybe have a couple of quick comments to people on the team as I'm walking back there. But once I get through the hallway, I sit down and I continue to work on my sermon as I'm, you know, shoveling tuna and salad greens from Trader Joe's in my mouth. And then I continue on with my day. Big difference from Thursday's dinner, okay? So Thursday's dinner, I get a babysitter. Lately, it's usually been my brother or my in-laws, and then I go to Thai basil in Tempe. Oh yeah, some people got the Thai basil, you know about the green curry. So I get the green curry, and, and then uh, you know maybe some spring rolls if I'm feeling crazy, and then uh, I'll grab a glass of wine, okay? That's right, grab a glass of wine, and then maybe I might bring a board game. And then after dinner, usually I drive on the way home to Aloha and get frozen yogurt. Big difference between Thursday's lunch and Thursday's dinner. And the difference between the two meals is who I expect is gonna be there. Thursday night is date night. So I know my wife, Lexi, is gonna be there. And at the office, I might bump into some people on the way for Thursday's lunch and have some like chit chat, but really I am functionally eating lunch, but I'm not like eating a meal, you know? And on Thursday night dinner, I expect to be sitting across from me, my wife, and I expect what's gonna happen for us is we're gonna get into a good conversation. We're gonna talk about how we're really doing that week. Sometimes we sit down, there's kind of like a sigh, like, oh, we made it through the week. But if you were to describe your experience of interacting with the word of God, if we're honest, a lot of us, it's more akin to the experience of eating Trader Joe's salad greens and canned tuna than a meal where you expect someone to show up at the other end. What we're gonna see within a story today out of Luke chapter 24 is throughout this word and spirit season, what we need is Jesus to open up the scriptures and we need the scriptures to open our eyes to the presence of Jesus. So open your Bibles to Luke chapter 24. We're gonna walk along the road with the two disciples in Emmaus beginning in verse 13, Luke chapter 24, verse 13. And uh, we're about to get into the word, so let's pray. Father, I ask that you would do what no man or woman can do and open the eyes of your people to see Jesus through the scriptures. 
do that in me and in my heart and do that in all of us as we are ready and attentive and waiting for what you might have for us today. Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. So here's how the story goes, beginning in verse 13 through chapter 24. It's been about three days since Jesus was crucified and put to death and put in a grave. Two disciples of Jesus are walking now from Jerusalem along the way to a town called Emmaus. And I imagine that that conversation has moments of frustration, maybe some kind of hidden tears as they're walking along. Maybe they're getting into it, trying to process what actually just happened before their eyes. And maybe lulls of silence within the conversation. But as they continue to hike along the way, these two disciples notice that awkwardly, there is another hiker who is just kind of like in that weird distance behind them where you can kind of overhear what they're talking about. But every time they try to slow down, whoever this guy is, he slows down kind of with them. And eventually over time, he gets close enough to be right over the shoulder listening to them. And so out of nowhere, he says to them in verse 17, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. This question feels to them, I imagine, like a dagger because they still have no way of making sense of what's going on in the world around them. He just asked them the one thing that stings the most, and they don't know it yet, but it's Jesus walking with them back from the dead. Sometimes we feel a bit clueless as to what's actually going on with following Jesus. Sometimes we are bewildered, sad, frustrated, and like them, what we really need is the presence of Jesus. Despite the fact that I know a lot of us who have been around this church for a little bit could answer like theologically correctly that we know that Jesus is alive and that he is present with us in real life. If we're honest, a lot of our days feel like we're walking alone. And if scripture is the way that we interact with Jesus, then it can often feel like we're just sitting at an empty table with a can of tuna, technically feeding us, right? But we know the difference when a meal brings a lot of life. We too, like the disciples, are blind to the presence of Jesus right in front of us. It's not a question on whether or not Jesus is alive and present and walking with his people. It's whether or not we can see him. But Jesus continues to just walk with these disciples anyway. He even has the gentleness and the hospitality to ask them, what are you talking about? And then he lets them narrate how they're feeling and what they are going through over the last couple of days. I mean, they're like sitting here talking to Jesus and they're like doing like Messiah explaining to him. And he just listens. He's like, oh, you know, it's interesting. And, you know, kind enough to hear them and be with them and walk with them. But also Jesus is kind enough to interrupt them. And so he tells them in verse 25 that the problem is that they are slow to believe what the testimony of scripture has already said. They had the table set of scripture. They had the Old Testament. They had all the things that Jesus is talking about. 
But as they watch the events of their life unfold, they conclude that Jesus is dead. It's all over. But Jesus is right there with them, resurrected from the dead, fully present with his people, having already done the work. And what's surprising is he doesn't reveal himself like you would imagine he would, right? He doesn't have like a halo suddenly like show up around his head or maybe he's got like a hooded cloak and he's walking with them and he's like this hooded figure. He's like, what are you talking about? And then he pops off his head. He's like, it's me, Jesus. Um, Instead, kind of like turn of events, what does he do? He opens up the scriptures to them in verse 27 and beginning with Moses and the prophets, he interprets to them in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus's big revelation of his resurrected power is a Bible study. Not what I expect. And yet that's exactly what they needed. They had the scriptures, but what they were missing in that moment in history was the living Jesus present with them to open up their eyes to what the scriptures were saying. So he begins with Moses and all the prophets, which is a shorthand way of saying the entire Old Testament. So Jesus then begins to, with them in that moment, unpack every single part of scripture from Moses on pointing out to them, see, this story is actually about me. This story is about me. The stories of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they're actually about Jesus. The stories of Exodus and Deuteronomy and all those crazy laws in Leviticus, those are actually about the Messiah, Jesus. Even the poetry of Job and the wisdom of Proverbs, it's all about Jesus. The written word of God is primarily a story, a living story, but one that is completely incomplete without the living present word of God, Jesus. Without him, this falls apart. If he is not alive and present, even now with his people, right now, then this falls apart. And so here is the living word of God in that moment with them. And he is opening up the written word of God, how all of it connects together. And if you were there in this Bible study, what questions would you want Jesus to answer for you about the Bible? Would it be like, hey, what's the deal with all those weird laws about bodily fluids in Leviticus? How is that tied to you, Jesus? <laughs> or would it be some of the like uncomfortable parts of the Old Testament and the violence, or maybe just some of the confusing nature of poetry? And yet we go through the story, and if you're looking at it, it tells us Jesus does this, this Bible study with them. And then Luke, who writes this, gives us not a single detail of what they talked about. <laughs> Did he lose them? Did the disciples forget in that moment what Jesus actually told them, the meat of that story and how he, it all connected? I mean, that would be really nice to have, right? Unless that's not the point. Unless what is trying to be told to us through this story is that they're not interested in telling you how cool it would have been if you were there but rather giving you a picture into what it's like after the resurrection, which is the living God, Jesus, is always present with his people to open up the scriptures. Always. Jesus is not just theologically the center of the scriptures, 
but he is the one who is able to be present with his people and open up the Bible to us to make sense of what is going on with this story. Jesus is present with his people. And it wasn't like their problem wasn't that they didn't have the Bible. It was that they didn't think the other end of the table had anybody sitting in it. If you follow Jesus and we believe what he says, then we do have his spirit. He is present with us. The problem is not access, it's attitude. Think about the difference between a biography and an autobiography. I bought my wife as a gift one year, a, uh, a set volume of the biography of Pablo Picasso. She's really into art and it's like three volumes each this fat. Tons of details on his life and the culture surrounding his time. And you can learn so much about Picasso from reading those books. But there's a very big difference if you're reading a book where Picasso wrote himself, this is my story. But two things that biographies and autobiographies can have in common, you could read them and the person can be dead. But what even more powerful and beautiful? A journal. If I were to give you my journal, technically you could read it if I was dead. But you would get a page in and then two pages in and realize this guy has got to be the most emotionally unstable human being I've ever met. One day he is like languishing the pains of being a new dad. The other one, he's like so thankful. And then the next page, I think he's trying to do poetry, maybe. And then there's these weird chicken scratch drawings. But imagine if I invite you over to my house and I make you dinner. And then I sit you down and then I pour you a glass of wine and I pull out my journal and I open it and I begin to walk you through pieces of my journal and I begin to narrate my story to you. What I was feeling in that moment of sadness, of joy, of delight. And I just start flipping through different parts of that journal. That is what the scriptures are like. They are the story of the world that finds themselves centered in Jesus. They're Jesus's personal journal. It's about him. But if he is not present and living and there to open it up to us, it's gonna be as if you stumbled upon my journal unfinished and half made. It's gonna be confusing. Yet that's often how we approach scriptures. But Jesus is alive. He can hold your hand and walk you through the scriptures. Do you open the Bible with the posture of reading a biography? Maybe I could get some details about God, about Jesus. Is how you read the scriptures reflect like those disciples that you functionally think Jesus is dead? Because he's not. He can walk along your life and open up the scriptures for you just like he did for them. That's the point of this story. He can help you make sense of what is going on, not just in your world around you, but within scripture so you can see the world around you through that lens. He can hold your hand through the bizarre laws of Leviticus and point out how all of the sacrificial system was actually pointing to the fact that he is your sacrificial lamb 
and covered you with his blood. He can walk you through the epic of Exodus to show you that that's not just an old story that's really interesting and has crazy moments, but actually Jesus is your redeemer and he has forgiven you and redeemed you from the slavery of Satan and sin and death. If you are willing to have the posture of letting Jesus open the scriptures to you, then maybe the Psalms are less about learning content and maybe they're more along the lines of having Jesus pray with you in the moment. When you open your Bible, do you expect Jesus to be there? How, you, how do you open your eyes to the presence of the living Jesus? Because think about the story, right? They're walking with Jesus. He's opening the scriptures to them and they still don't recognize that he's right there. I think all of us can relate to that. <laughs> how are we actually functionally, Jake, going to be able to realize that Jesus is there to open up the scriptures to us. Sometimes our experience gets to the point where even if we hear the promises that Jesus is with us, we doubt it because you might be tempted to say, Jake, that's a nice story, but if I'm honest, I would trade the Holy Spirit for walking on the road to Emmaus because at least then I could see him. Yes, it is Jesus who makes sense of and opens up the scriptures to us. But we actually need the scriptures to open our eyes to the presence of Jesus. We need the living word of God to make sense of the written word of God. But we engage the written word of God because it allows us to have our eyes open to his presence with us. In the end, I'm with my, my wife, Lexi, every single day right? Like we, we go to bed, we sleep in the same bed every single night, but there's something special about date night. It's the green curry and the pad thai. It creates the environment for us to really see one another. The glass of wine, that space to talk. Scripture is the pad thai in green curry. It sets the table for you to sit down with Jesus. So, the disciples are blown away by the greatest Bible study that they have ever had. Everything seems to be popping out to them as they're walking with Jesus and talking to him. And he's like, you see this part, this points to the Messiah. And they're like, this is amazing. I never saw that he had to die. And everything's connecting. But comically, they still do not recognize who is there with them right in that moment. <laughs> they're like, wow, mister, you really sure know a lot about Jesus. <laughs> And then they come to a fork in the road in verse 28. They drew near to a village which they were going and Jesus pretends like he's just gonna keep going further, which I love this detail. It's so interesting that Luke mentions it. It's like Jesus gave them everything to see him, but then he leaves them to create the invitation for them to open their eyes. So they do, they invite him in to stay with them. Jesus is present in your life. Hear me, he is present right now. But does anything in our lives, does anything in your life, you specifically, show that you are inviting Jesus to make you aware of his presence? Or are you so busy moving from one place to the next, you don't even stop to invite him in? What does the posture of your heart show or the rhythms and the habits of your life Many of you today would say, 
I want my eyes opened to the presence of Jesus as he walks with me. But do we? Or would we rather move throughout our lives distracted, busied, numbed, and entertained? Because we don't really want Jesus to show us his presence. We'd rather he just change our circumstances. We don't want him to reveal his presence in pain. We'd rather him just stop the pain. We don't want him to reveal his presence as the one who invites us to love and be with our enemies. We would rather he just show our enemies how they're wrong. So maybe our eyes often miss Jesus along the way because we haven't really invited him in to sit down and make a table for us. So they invite him, he stays with them, and they put together a quick dinner. And in verse 30, Jesus takes some bread, he blesses it, he breaks it, and he gives it to them. And in that moment, it clicks. It says that their eyes are opened and they recognized him. In that moment, they see it's been Jesus the whole time who has been with them. Hear me, he didn't show up at dinner. He was with them the whole time. The scriptures help us open our eyes not to make an encounter with Jesus happen. He is already with you. The scriptures are there to open your eyes to that reality. That is what they do to the people of God. They set the table, they make the environment available so we could recognize he's been with me the whole time. And so they look at each other in that moment because Jesus just then vanishes. And they say to each other in verse 32, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened up the scriptures? What made them suddenly realize that Jesus was there all along? The scriptures. Jesus was talking with them on the way and they realized in that moment, hey, weren't our hearts burning within us when he was opening up the scriptures to us? It's in that moment that their eyes open up to him. It was the written word of God that opened up their eyes to see the presence of the living resurrected word of God. We want to encounter God. Scripture holds our hand and walks us into that. The purpose of whole Bible study in that moment with them was not that they would gain content, which is often how we first learn in our culture how to read the Bible. And there's nothing wrong with that. But the purpose of engaging the scriptures is that we might be made aware of the presence of God in our lives and then respond to him. So what's the point of the Bible? Rather, what do we expect when you sit down and you open this in the morning, in the evening, afternoon, whenever you, when you, whenever you open it, what do you expect is gonna happen? Because the problem I think a lot of us are getting into is we want to read the Bible. I really believe a lot of you guys want to do this. But we don't really know what kind of book this is because <laughs> it's not like anything else. And so depending on what you believe the purpose of a book is, is going to determine whether or not you keep reading it or you set it back down, right? Like if you open up uh, Harry Potter and you expect that I'm going to be entertained and inspired maybe, then you'll read the book and enjoy it. And yet if you read Harry Potter and expect that it's going to be more along the lines of a self-help book 
or a life hacks book like Atomic Habits. You're going to read it and set it down unless you're crazy, and then you're gonna go in your bedroom and begin to practice wand waving and any, you know, Jay Rowling, like, that's probably not an appropriate way to read that, right? So what happens if you read every book like Harry Potter? Every book that's not entertaining to you, you put down. Or what happens if you read a poetry book thinking it might be like Atomic Habits? As soon as you realize it's not giving you any hacks for your life, you put it down, you put it on the shelf, and you're like, that was a waste of time. Depending on what you believe that the scripture's purpose is will change how you read it. There are moments for sure where it's entertaining. Don't get me wrong. We just finished the series on the Kings and David. And I mean, some of those stories are just absolutely like whack. Like they could be straight out of a TV series. But if you are going through the genealogy of numbers expecting to be entertained, you're going to put it down quick unless you have like the desire for pain. Uh, it, you know, the Bible's filled with wisdom and it gives you lots of things that are immediately applicable to your life, right? But if you open up the book of Judges, expecting it's gonna give you tips on how to live your life, you're gonna be disturbed. You'll be confused if everything is supposed to be useful to you what's actually going on. And this, you know, it sounds silly, but think about this. If I sit down with my wife for a meal and five minutes in, I go, that's a great story about your week, babe, but I don't see how any of it is applicable to my life or how I might better my career. You can imagine how that's gonna end. Or if, you know, 10 minutes in, I'm like, this is wonderful, but honestly, I'm just not feeling super entertained or inspired. How about we pause the date for right now and we try again next week? But that is often how we sit down with the Bible. When it does not give us what we expect of a book, we don't know even what to do. But what if the purpose is that scripture opens our eyes to the presence of Jesus in that moment. What if every time you open the Bible, you start with, Jesus, I know you're here, but I need your help to see it. Show me how you're present in my friend's life, in my community's life, in my life. We need the scriptures to open our eyes to Jesus. He promises, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Okay, hear that. If that is true, he is with you right now at 11.56. And he will be when you take a nap later or when you're taking care of the kids or you're going on a jog. What we need is to be made aware of his presence. What we need to live the Christian life is our eyes to be opened to Jesus through the scriptures. So I've, I've learned to expect one thing from my time with my wife on date nights. Sometimes it's laughter, sometimes it's dreaming, sometimes we have to sit down and cry or finish a fight, but I expect she will be there. What do you expect from scripture? What posture will you bring to the living word of God through the written word of God? So, Jake, how do I do that? 
how can I make this feast at the table of a loved one? And how do I open up the scriptures ready to meet Jesus? I'm gonna give you guys two postures that I think would be helpful and maybe just two questions that you can learn from, but I don't expect you to remember these. We're actually just gonna do it together instead. So the two postures, posture of prayer. A lot can change within your life if every time you read the Bible, you pray. Pray, not just before to start your time. Try to, try to pray the stories of the gospels. And a posture of presence, like we've been talking about the whole time. If you begin opening up the word going, Jesus, you're already here. I believe that. I just have a hard time seeing it. Would you help me? And then questions, right? And there's a lot of good resources within our church that you can ask about on how to read the Bible, but just how does this fit into the story? And then what does this reveal about Jesus? It always reveals something, but rather than talk more details about it, I just want to do something together. Go ahead and close your Bibles. And we're going to do a practice called Lectio Divina that's got a long tradition within our church, the global church where we engage with scripture with this posture of presence and prayer. And so here's what I'm gonna do. We're gonna go back through that story and I'm gonna ask you guys to close your eyes for just a second. And I'm gonna read scriptures over you and have moments of silence where I'm gonna ask questions. And I want you to dispend disbelief for how hard it might try. Just assume right now, I wanna try this God, can you speak to me right now? And then listen. So go ahead and close your eyes and take three slow breaths. One breath to remind you that you have a father in heaven who loves you. One breath to remind you that Jesus promised to be with you. One to remind you of the spirit who lives with us. asking right now that you would do what no preacher can do, but you would speak into every single person's heart. It says that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him, and he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? stood still looking sad. What might you have seen if you were there? What would you have heard? Where is your face sad? foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. With your eyes closed, what do you imagine Jesus' face would have looked like towards them? What 
what emotions come up for you as the scriptures are read? And I want you to imagine that you are somewhere in the story. Where are you in the story? Are you a disciple? Bird flying by? When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight and they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Let the story play through your mind. Is there a word, a phrase that jumps out, a memory, a feeling? Maybe the only thing that's coming up is distraction. Whatever it is, once you have it, imagine everything else fades, and it's just you and Jesus. What does he say to you? Just listen. silence for a moment and you can continue to just ask God what are you saying to me through this 